You're listening to the Smoke Signals Podcast, hosted by Jake Dungan and other IBI contributors. We're talking tribe. Well, good day, good afternoon, and good evening. Wherever and whenever you happen to be tuning in, we are glad to have you aboard. I'm Jake Dungan, Senior Contributor for Indians Baseball Insider, wishing I could come to you under better tidings. Of course, this podcast being recorded in the midst of this excruciating waiting game to find out the results, official results of a uh, and uh, diagnosis of Corey Kluber's uh, fractured forearm that is likely going to keep him on the shelf for most of the season. And here to discuss it all with me, provide our first thoughts and lament over what everything that's been going wrong with the Indians this year, uh, Justin Lada. Justin, how's it going? Today, Thursday, is, like I was saying, is probably the most day of optimism because the unknown, we don't know how long Kluber's going to be out. And by the time some people listen to this on Friday and they get into the weekend, we're going to know more details and then we'll have some finality to the situation and... That will be bad. So I guess today is not the worst day. Tomorrow will probably be not as good. Exactly. So uh, as we all know at this point, uh, Corey Kluber was struck by a line drive. Uh, I don't even know who the hitter was, but uh, it was uh, it was a Marlins uh, player. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably why. Which, uh, if we have time at the end of the show, I do want to get to uh, some more of that Marlins roster challenge. I'm going to turn the tables on Justin and see how he does, but uh, hopefully that we can end the show on a positive note that way. But for the time being, though, uh, Kluber out. I mean, as reading before the show, Paul Hoynes in his column said that the conservative estimates at this point, I mean, or rather the optimistic estimates at this point, were that Kluber would be back by August. But it doesn't look like... I mean, that's the best case... If that's the best case scenario at this point... How optimistic can you be about it? So, um, and you know, with Mike Clevenger already out, I mean, there's some good news with him as far as his recovery is concerned right now. But two of your key pitchers are down. You're down to Carrasco, Bauer, and uh, Bieber now as your key pitchers in the rotation, which is still probably more than a lot of teams have. But for a World Series hopeful team like the Indians are, that's a pretty big blow considering that you're going to have two pitchers down for uh, a good portion of the season. So especially for a team where starting pitching was their bread and butter and their backbone and without much else to offer seemingly right now from the lineup and the uh, bullpen, it's just there's no like positive spin you can really put on this at this point, wouldn't you say? Yeah, like in 2016, especially, but like you know, when Carrasco went down and you, it was season ending, it was really disheartening. And of course, you know, Paul Hoynes wrote the "Well, their playoff chances are over" when that happened. Um, other than Paul Hoynes, I think there was a really feeling of okay, this bullpen's pretty good. They've been good all year. They managed to win the game that Carrasco came out in, you know, in the first inning. Uh, in extra innings, the bullpen, it was a bullpen game, and the, the Indians started bullpenning, not on purpose, but they did it. Um, I think there was a sense of hopefulness with how good that bullpen was, and having Kluber healthy, and 
Uh, I think at the time, Salazar was, he might not have been healthy. I don't remember because, you know, he's on the DL so much it's hard to recall. But I think at the time, there was some sense of hopefulness with the bullpen and things like that. Right now, I know the bullpen's pitched well, but there's not a whole lot of guys you can sit there and say, okay, for sure we know what we're going to count on with this guy and this guy. Like, the only guy right now you have any sort of idea of consistency from is Brad Hand. Like, you know what you're going to get day in and day out from him in the bullpen. The rest of the guys, while they've been pitching okay, there's no guarantee they're going to keep that up. So I think that's a little more disheartening and on top of the Clevenger injury. Yeah, and then the lineup hasn't helped much. I mean, I think I, I don't recall the stat I saw specifically on Twitter, but um, I think that it was that the something along the lines of the Indians being dead last in Major League Baseball in terms of uh, of non-pitching uh, offensive war um, this season and. Um, again, I wish I had this tweet in front of me. I could uh, properly credit it and, and uh, quote the stat, but I, I believe it was something along those lines. And, you know, when you look at I know that we had Lindor on the shelf early on in the season, and then uh, Jose Ramirez has been struggling early on, and, you know, Carlos Santana has basically been carrying the offense, but and you had to deal with guys like Eric Stamets and Mike Freeman and... Uh, Max Moroff in in the lineup on a daily basis. Um, it's there's nothing you can really point to other than maybe, I mean, I'd say at this point, other than you know like the other starting pitchers, Bauer, Clevenger, Bauer, uh, Carrasco, and Bieber. Um, it's really the really only two guys you can count on for any consistency right now. I would say would be. Uh, Carlos Santana and Brad Hand because, you know, Lindor's still trying to find get his legs under him. Kipnis is clearly starting off the season slow again, probably because of this injury he had. Jose Ramirez had been hit or miss uh, lately. Seems like he's starting to sputter and find something a little bit, but there's nothing in this lineup that inspires confidence. And uh, like you said, with the bullpen, they're pitching well, but how much upside can you rely on in that bullpen you know, the only other guy I can really say with true confidence that I have uh, high expectations for would be Adam Simber, but that's because, you know, he's a young and has the funky delivery, and he's looking more like the guy we saw in San Diego last year, so I have some confidence in him and Brad Hand, but other than that, I don't know what how much you can rely on these guys to do what they're doing going forward, and then, like I said, the lineup is... Who knows what what to expect from them and how that's going to come together, but there are some pretty gaping holes in there right now. Yeah, and I would say, to be fair, that if you would have said coming into the season that Kluber was going to be this inconsistent and then get hurt, they were going to lose Clevenger, and Ramirez was going to struggle the way he did at the end of last season... I don't think there's anything they could have done to combat all that. Like, there's just not a lot of move. Like, okay, let's say it's December and you tell Chris Antonetti, okay, Jose Ramirez is going to continue to struggle. We don't know when he's going to get out of it. Kluber's not going to be himself and he's going to get hurt. Clevenger's going to get hurt. Like, and then you tell him Lindor's going to get hurt. I don't know what moves they could have made if you would have even told them, hey, all this is going to happen. Like, 
you know, there there are only only so many things you can do to to combat your ace pitcher getting hit by a line drive and um struggling the way he was, and then have your your two best hitters go through an in, to an injury and and some inconsistency again. Like, how many teams can survive their two all star infielders and two of their best pitchers having injuries and inconsistencies? There's just there's just not a lot of things out there you can do for that. And, and people were saying, oh, we're making excuses for the front office and ownership for having a an inactive offseason and cutting payroll. Like, yeah, I get it, and they didn't leave themselves a lot of room for margin for error. But considering that, okay, if Lindor and Ramirez are their best offensive players and Kluber is their be- was supposed to be their best pitcher and Clevenger is their third best pitcher coming in, you can't lose your your four of your best four of your best players and, and expect to be good or survive that and and be able to plan for that. You just can't. And uh, just to play devil's advocate for a second, I totally agree with you on the starting pitching front because the Indians, one, are not going to do anything with starting pitching uh, because they fully expect not only just Kluber and uh, and Clevenger to be healthy, but also uh, Adam Pletko and Tristan McKenzie to be healthy as they represent their most immediate depth options. So uh, I totally understand that. that. It's very hard, it's very hard to prepare for uh, that kind of eventuality. But on the on the front of uh, Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor, either struggling or being hurt, you know I know that they are the heart and soul of this lineup, and the Indians rely on them. They are the engine that drives this offense, and if they're not right, then this whole offense is not right. So that's why I question whether you know if you. They have to have some kind of scenario in mind at some point where if one or both of Francisco Lindor or Jose Ramirez is hurt or struggling or both, um, how is this lineup going to look and how is the slack going to be picked up? Do they really envision like the guy, guys like uh, Max Moroff and Eric Stamitz and Mike Freeman being able to come in and step up? Or do they expect uh, guys like... Uh, Tyler Naquin or Jake Bowers to step up and fill those and fill those shoes. I mean, again, just playing devil's advocate, I think that I can under, possibly understand the viewpoint of maybe the Indians didn't do enough to supplement the talent they have in the lineup and the eventuality that uh, Lindor and Ramirez aren't p- performing up to the levels that uh, are expected of them in order to make this offense function the way it should. Yeah, I mean, they're counting on you know, guys like Jake Bowers and Hanley Ramirez and now Carlos Gonzalez to step up and help carry a lineup, and that's unfair to, to ask of them, given, you know, Bowers' inexperience, even though he was a top 100 prospect, and that's probably not a guy you're hoping to be your fourth best hitter. I mean, you could say, I think I think it's okay to, to go into a season and say, okay, our three best hitters are definitely Lindor Ramirez and Santana, and we're counting on them. That's fine because those guys are really good, and Santana's been even better this year than he has in years past. But four through nine, there's not enough. I don't think you can, you can't, you cannot, and they shouldn't have. And I think I think everybody said this before this season. I don't think this is a case of us saying in hindsight. I don't think you can say it was okay for a, a team that wants to win a division as bad as the AL Central is 
to hope that Jake Bowers is their fourth best hitter and not just by default, but by performance. You know what I mean? Like, I think we all could have said that before any of this happened in the off season. Exactly. And, you know, that's why we are, where we are. That's even though they're 16 and 13. And I don't think that the for having that foresight was that out of the question. Um, so that's, that's where I understand the frustration of the fans. And I, I sympathize with them on a, and agree with them on a certain level. So that's why that that's where I stand on the issue. And when you consider, okay, Carlos Santana for Edwin Arcanacion, that's kind of a even swap. Maybe even the Indians uh, went out in the end, depending, given uh, Encarnacion's age and declining skills versus Santana, who's still in the prime of his career. So that, I think, that I can understand. But you lose a guy like Michael Brantley. You even lose guys like Lonnie Chisholm and... Um, who are both uh, obviously very capable hitters, Brantley more so, but uh, you lose two key guys in the lineup. Jan Gomes, too, to a certain extent. Uh, that's three players right there who really uh, filled out the lineup nicely and lengthened it a little more. They're not... You know, they're not all on the level of Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor, but not everybody in your lineup has to be. You have to be able to fill out your batting order and make it so that, you know, even though it's going to hurt no matter what, if Jose Ramirez or Francisco Lindor are struggling, you can't let that, uh, you can't let the offense just fall off a cliff whenever that happens. You have to have some kind of cushion uh, for if and when that does happen, and to me, it seems like the Indians kind of failed in doing so, or they expected too much out of too little. Yeah, I mean, they definitely were trying to retool and win at the same time. That's hard to do. Uh, not a lot of teams have been very good at it, and I think the reason why is you don't leave yourself any margin for error when with injuries happen. And the last place the Indians could afford an injury, I mean, the lineup, okay, so Lindor, they couldn't afford an injury to. Luckily, he was not that long, and He's been mostly good since he's come back. Ramirez hasn't found himself yet. They've been lucky Santana's been as good as he has. But the one place they really couldn't afford an injury was the pitching rotation because that was supposed to carry their, um, you know, the lack of offense. And now you've got injuries, and, and you can't predict a guy getting hit by a line drive. I think you can only go – I think it's only fair to for them to cover for – things they know they've dealt with in the past like Carrasco's had some weird things happen you know nothing that's really alarming but Kluber's had more body issues like knees and backs that you have to account for um but you I mean you just can't plan for a line drive and you can't you know with Carrasco like he's been hit with a line drive how many times you can't as as often as it happens to him and, and weird as it is you still can't plan for it you just have to assume that you're not going to get through a season with five starters, and I don't think they did. But then, of course, you had you know Adam Plutko go down and other things like that. And Cody Anderson, I think maybe the biggest problem is they didn't trade for enough depth. depth. Like Jeffrey Rodriguez, or Jeffrey Rodriguez has been a nice surprise, but did anybody expect him to, A, be in that position, and B, pitch as well as he had? Like You weren't going to go out and sign a starting pitcher or trade for guys that were super close to being contributors because you didn't have a spot for them and no one was going to sign here. But 
I don't know. I, I mean, I, you can't say they missed the boat on trading Kluwer because he has more value here than he had anywhere anywhere else. And like I said, you can't you can't break the line drive. You just you know he has normal uh, dents that he's had the last couple of years. So I don't know. I, I just don't. I mean, I'm not giving. I'm not letting him off the hook. I'm not saying I'm making excuses for him, but there are certain things. You just can't plan for, and I think some of that, I think it's 50-50. I think some of it's just bad planning and trying to retool on the fly and still be good, and some of it is, you know, a line drive hits hits your ace, even though he wasn't pitching like your ace. I mean, what do you, what do, you do about that? Yeah, I mean, like I said, for the starting pitching and the injuries that can happen there, I totally understand that. It's hard to plan for that. Uh, it's hard to... I mean, I mean, yeah, you could trade for more pitching depth, and they they did with Shiwei uh, Hu and and Jeffrey and Jeffrey Rodriguez. But uh, at the same time, you know, how much more can you expect them to do beyond that? Especially when guys like Plutko and and uh, McKenzie were also hurt in the process. So you got to account for that too. It's that is astronomically hard to prepare for when something like that happens. So uh, yeah, you mentioned. I- Go ahead. A lot of people too. A lot of people too were saying, "Well, they're not worried because Kluber wasn't pitching well anyway." But I think the Indians were still. I, I think thinking that the Indians were going to win the division was still contingent on Kluber turning it around. I'm not saying he had to get back to Cy Young level good because Trevor Bauer clearly has taken another step. Mike Clevenger being hurt, you know, set them back a little. But I think, I think if. Kluber got back to being as good as he was in like I don't know 2016. You know he where he was he was pretty good. He wasn't Cy Young good, or even if he was good as good as a number three starter, he didn't need to be your ace. If he got back to being like your third best starter with Clevenger being out, the Indians were going to survive that I think. But you can't say that the Indians are still are, are are still in the same shape they were a week ago just because Kluber is struggling. I don't think. If Kluber was going to pitch like that all year, plus the Clevenger injury, they weren't going to win the division anyway. I don't think that was going to help them win a division. I think he, I think thinking they had a shot to win the division and surviving the Clevenger injury was definitely contingent on him getting better. And now he can't even improve upon what issues he was having. He can't fix the issues he was having while his forearm is broken. Yeah, exactly. And that... Uh brings me to my next point I wanted to get to. Uh, I mean, you mentioned the division hopes and then, uh, you know, how the Indians may have missed their chance to trade Corey Kluber. At least that's what a lot of fans are saying right now on social media. And I, just to kind of give our thoughts on the issue, uh, do you think in your mind that the Indians uh, – were right or wrong to hold on to Corey Kluber this off season instead of uh, trading him for for prospects. I mean, I know we mentioned guys like Alex Verdugo for the Dodgers and uh, uh, Nick Senzel. I think for the Reds was on was on the table as well. Um, obviously, the Indians were interested, but they didn't get what they were asking for for Kluber. Um, say hypothetically they had gotten what they'd asked for. Do you think a they would have traded and if not was it still the right move to hold on to him? If they would have gotten what they asked for, I think they definitely would have traded him. I think I, I it's hard to know how how true these rumors are. Like there were some rumors saying the Indians were holding holding out for Cody Bellinger and at the time I'm like, yeah, hold out for Cody Bellinger because if you can get Cody Bellinger for Corey Kluber, you should do it. 
And of course the Dodgers, if that if that was a uh, if that was their ass, of course the Dodgers said no. I mean, look what he's doing right now. I mean, the Dodgers probably thought he had a chance to be one of the one of the best hitters in the league, and he is right now. Um, so of course they said no. Should they have traded him for Alex Verdugo and some other guys? Maybe. Um, it's just so hard to know and not you know not know the truth of the rumors. Like, I don't think I saw any rumors where it was for sure that Nick Senzel was on the table for the Reds. But again, I, we don't know. I know there was like talks of Taylor Trammell and, and uh, some other guys. I can't recall the top of my head, but I think you had to get a guy that a in the outfield was going to help. The two things they had to get was an outfielder that was going to play this year and probably a bullpen arm that was young. Um, and then maybe a, a starter that was a, a year away or something. Um, it just, you know, they didn't get anything, anything they're liking. And I understand that because he means so much to the team. But at the same time, you can't act like you're, you're not trading away 2017 Corey Kluber. You're trading away, you were going to trade away 2019 Corey Kluber. And other teams saw that. They, I think maybe what ha- might have happened is the Indians were trying to get 2017 value for 2019 Kluber. And that, probably clouded their vision. I, I can't totally blame them for that because the belief is he's going to get back to being close to a Cy Young pitcher. They believe that, and I don't I, I don't really know how to feel about that. It's probably not a good thing to believe in, but you just can't take less than you think the guy is worth to your team. And I don't know if they ever got that offer. And in hindsight, being 2020, yeah, they should have done it, but it's hard to know without knowing the offer for sure. There's guys we can sit there and say, yeah, we should have traded him for this, this, and this, but do you know they could have gotten that? I don't know. I mean, it just depends on what they felt his true value is. Other teams clearly didn't match up that way, so they, yeah, probably, they, they probably should have gotten something for him because in the, in the grand scheme of things, his value is not, is not going to get any better at this point as he ages. It's not like his value is going to go up this coming offseason. You know, it's only going to depreciate. It's like a car, with, especially with pitchers. I hate to compare people to things, but, you know, guys don't get better as they age. You know, that's why Nelson Cruz is not getting paid for his performance because nobody thinks that he's going to repeat the year he keeps having the year and year before. So they probably should have, but... I don't know. It's a it's a fine line to walk between value, I guess. Right. They they were probably uh, pitching uh, Corey Kluber as a name as a name brand in in the league right now versus you know what who Corey Kluber is right now, and uh, you know uh, the teams are getting are getting sharper to these kind of things. And maybe like 10, 15 years ago, they could have traded unloaded Corey Kluber for a King's ransom, but you know, teams are more uh, stat savvy now are focusing on advanced measurements and statistics and advanced scouting. And you know, they're, they're wise to what uh, Corey Kluber is by and large. So I'm not in that sense. I'm not surprised that the Indians didn't get what they wanted to for, one or two for Kluber, but who knows what they were asking for. It could have been astronomically high that any, no matter what year you're trading and nobody would have given it to you. And that's probably because the Indians value their players so much. And I think, I think that, uh, I don't, in a lot of senses, senses, they, uh, notoriously overvalue their players. I mean, I know we look at some trades and it's kind of scratch our heads in hindsight, 
but um, I think in recent years, when it comes to uh, dealing star players, they are very hesitant to do so unless they get, uh, you know, a once-in-a-lifetime deal. So that who's to say that that wasn't the case with Kluber? But uh, the other uh, kind of the the other big uh, topic of discussion right now on social media with uh, and one of the big takes going around is why aren't the Indians ringing up uh, Dallas Keuchel right now and seeing if he's uh, he's available. Well, obviously he's available, but seeing if he would uh, ex- agree to terms to sign with the Indians. Um, I mean, we we know what the obvious reasons why uh, that wouldn't be a great fit for the Indians. One, because we don't know what kind of money he he wants, and if uh, well, the, uh, depending on how long Corey Kluber is out, you don't we don't know if he's going to be guaranteed a rotation spot all year long. Two, he hasn't had a spring training and hasn't and is going to take a while to ramp up to uh, full capacity. So, what kind of value we're going to get from uh, signing him at this point? Uh, if you're a contender, so, um, any other thoughts on this Dallas Keuchel, uh, Dallas Keuchel, uh, I don't know, I don't know what to call it, longings or, uh, hopefulness that, uh, the Indians fans are having right now, ho- hoping that the Indians will reach out and see if they, about signing him? I'm not really for it, A, because he's already held out this long because of money, um, B, he has draft pick compensation, so... That throws a, a wrench into it, and oh, are we just talking should they, or are we talking would they? Because I think you and I both know there's no chance in hell. Right. So are, are, we, are we talking hypothetical, or are we talking are they going to? Because I think we both know the answer to the, the second one. Well, let's, since we both know this answer in reality's terms, let's talk in hypothetical terms. Should they consider signing Dallas Keuchel, considering all the logistical uh all the logistical uh, baggage that comes with it. Checking, like, if I'm, I'm going to sit down and check it off point by point. The draft pick, to me, they shouldn't, if, if, the, if the draft pick was, like, the last thing that was holding them back, I would say they should just screw the draft pick and just sign them. If that was literally their, their last hang-up with it. But I, to me, I don't think that's the biggest hang-up. I think the problem is last year, uh, you know, he's never been a guy that's, that's pitched with a lot of velocity. He's a low-velocity low guy who relies on a change against ground balls. He's 31. I don't know how much money he wants, but let's assume it's more than teams are willing to pay him since he's still sitting on the free agent market, and it's the first week of May. Uh, he missed even less bats than he has in his whole career last year. He struck out less guys in his whole career last year. You know he threw 200 innings. Um... Exit velocity was 67th percentile in the league. Uh, expected weighted on base was 66th. Hard hit rate was in the 71st percentile. These are not good things. The higher those things are, the, the worse you are. Uh, 69th percentile in expected slugging against. Like, thing, indicators are going in the wrong direction for Keuchel because, A, he doesn't strike a lot of guys out. B, he doesn't throw with a lot of velocity. He's a pitch-to-contact guy who relies on ground balls, and he's 31. Those guys don't age that well, um, unless there's like you know Jamie. Maybe he's Jamie Moyer. I don't know. But I don't think the way guys hit today, you can survive that. Um, so no, I wouldn't sign him. And because you said didn't that spring training, so let's say like like they figure out tomorrow that Corey Kluber at best case scenario comes back in September, 
I still don't sign Dallas Keiko because, okay, he's got to go to the minor leagues and have what, um, six, seven rehab starts? I mean, he hasn't made any, any starts against competition. Like, what's the most the guy's allowed to have? 30 days in the minors, I think, pitchers? So you need to get him five starts in the minors and hope he's ready. Guys who have done that in the last couple of years have not played well um, having sat that long. You know, they just – it screws with their ability to to get their body ready and, and just have the, the reps going into the season. They're just so far behind. So I don't think it's going to help. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it would, but I guess it depends on who you're turning to is, is – is Dallas Keuchel better than Adam Plutko when he's healthy? Is he better than Cody Anderson when he's healthy? Probably. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm talking to myself into saying they should sign him. I don't know. Maybe. If, if they find out Kluber probably can't come back until September, maybe they should consider it despite the draft pick. But it depends. Like I don't know. I, I have little faith that they would be able to get him through 30 days in, in minor league rehab before he's allowed to come back up and thinking he's going to be the pitcher he was last year after missing all this time. But he's probably still better than Adam Plutko and, and Cody Anderson when healthy, even though I like Anderson. But you're not going to get him on a one-year deal. He's going to want a multi-year deal. Then what do you do? They don't have the money anyway. Right. So uh, then the question becomes, who's the next man up in the rotation with Plutko and McKenzie down? We're already got... We've already got uh, Jeffrey Rodriguez in the rotation, so who's next up? Is it uh, Cody Anderson? Is it Chi Wei Hu? Is uh, I mean I don't I don't know. Is it uh, Asher uh, Wojcikowski? I mean there are a few names in there, but nobody who seems like a long term fit in this rotation. Um, not even this season. I wouldn't think you could be able to rely on any of them. Because, uh, you know, Anderson's still coming back from Tommy John surgery. He's still getting stretched out. Chi Wei Hu, I mean, he's looking better. Uh, I think, I still say he's better suited to be a reliever in the long run. Uh, but I could also say the same for Rodriguez at this point. And uh, Asher Wojciechowski, pitching pretty well in Columbus. But, you know, he's never really had success in the majors. So who's this next man up here? If, if you know, the external options, unless they figure out a way to trade for somebody... Um, what what do the Indians do to fill this rotation spot? If I had to guess, my, I'm guessing that the next start where Kluber would have pitched will probably go to Asher Wojciechowski, only because he's made a handful of major league starts before. I think he's got like a little under 100 innings in his major league career. Yeah, 70. He's pitched 78 innings. None of them very good. He's got a a six six four ERA and a four nine five FIP. So doesn't have great Major League numbers, but he has Major League numbers before. I don't think they'll go to Chi Wei Hu. I think they'll see if Wojciechowski can give them anything, A, because he's a former top prospect and he's got Major League experience. They'll see what he can do, and maybe they'll see if he can um, have a couple good starts before Adam Plutko's ready. Plutko's pitching in Arizona. He's pitching to, to hitters, so he just needs to get to Columbus and get stretched out. So maybe, maybe Wojciechowski gets two starts while Plutko gets ready, maybe three, unless they're really bad. Some people suggest the Michael Peoples. I wouldn't be opposed to that, but I I think the Indians probably will turn to someone 
who's pitched in the majors before, before they go to Peoples in the short term. Um, or, you know, maybe they go, maybe they try Chi Wei Hu for three starts because he's already on the 40 and they wait till Plutko gets back and do it that way and have him fill in. But, so my guess is, like, I guess it could be Anderson too, but it depends on how stretched out he is. So, I don't I mean, know. Yeah, maybe they maybe they try all three of them. Who knows? Try to rotate them in and out and see who see who sticks. But I mean, I go think Cody Anderson is an is an opener. Get him stretched out at the big league level. Make him your opener, and then go to the bullpen until he's ready to pitch five or six innings. Yeah, I mean, I could see that happening as well. Uh, I think he's the best option right now for sure. Yeah, definitely the most experience and uh, probably the most comfort level with the Indians right now. So uh, I could definitely see it. It's just a matter of him, like you said, uh, seeing how stretched out he is and seeing if he's ready to uh, ready to get back in there and pitch, you know, five innings plus innings a game. So uh, so um, looking at the AL Central standings right now, the Indians are now sixteen and thirteen on the year after splitting the series with the Astros and Marlins. Boy. We started out that Astros series feeling pretty good about ourselves, didn't we? We, uh, they, the Indians had taken the first two games against the vaunted Astros. Uh, things were looking good. I think at that point we'd heard some good news about Mike Clevenger's uh, playing catch from 60 feet, being ahead of the game in his rehab. Um, then they dropped the last two in, of that Astros series. We're thinking, okay, the Astros are a, are a. Uh, World Series contender and the team that knocked the Tribe out in sweeping fashion in the AL, uh, DS last year. So then you go on to two games against the Marlins. They split those two games, split the season series against the Marlins, which to me is uh, not a good thing at all. And then the final, the final, the final, uh, the final uh, insult to injury here. Literally, Corey Kluber breaks his arm in the final game of that Marlins series, and they lose. So um, the Indians are now 16-13, and 13, looking up at the Twins, who are now three games ahead of them. How does this change this complexion of the uh, AL Central race uh, heading into the remainder of this 2019 season? Well, geez, I definitely need Jose Ramirez to figure it out and get back to being all-star Jose Ramirez, for one. Um... Carlos Carrasco can't afford to have any more hiccups. I don't know. I think it's going to be real tough tough for them to hold on through this. Like I said before, it, it, them winning the division, even despite the Clevenger injury, was possible if Corey Kluber got it turned around. And I think – I don't even know. It depends on how good the Twins are. I don't really know. I I could say maybe they could survive Kluber not being that great with Clevenger being as good as he was. But, yeah, I, I like I said before, I, I think with the Clevenger injury – Winning the division was still definitely heavily dependent on Kluber turning it around. So, unless Jose Ramirez snaps out of this funk and carry helps carry the offense for a while, uh, they shouldn't be the favorites to win the division. I, I don't even think the Twins are honestly as good as they've been playing. I, I mean, I need to look at their schedule. I think they've played the Twin or the, um, the Orioles. The Orioles, yeah. So, I mean, I know the Orioles haven't been as bad as I would have thought they were going to be, but they're still not a good team. So, even though the Indians haven't really beat up on bad teams, they've, for some reason, been playing well against the Mariners, and they were playing well, and they played well against the Astros. So, who knows? But 
Um, yeah, they played the Orioles one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times already. So they're six times, and they're they have nine. They have six. They're six for six. I'm not saying take the wins, you know, take those out and see what happens, but I'm not willing to say the Twins are just so good that the Indians can't can't compete. But I definitely think that with the injury to Kluber now and the way things have gone so far, that the Twins probably should be the favorite to win the division right now. It's definitely not a, a sure thing anymore, and that's unfortunate to say because, you know, all offseason we were talking about, well, the Indians should still win in the division. And in the first few month of the season, you know, they were off to a decent start, uh, be able to overcome the Lind Lindor's absence in the lineup. Uh, and then, you know, the, this Clevenger injury, they were still pr playing decently well with him out of the rotation. Now Kluber's hurt, and now I don't think we can say anymore with any kind of sincerity that the Indians should win a division. It's definitely a, a two-team race now, a legitimate two-team race. And beyond that, you know, if the Indians don't win a division, I don't think they make the playoffs because uh, not oh. the way not the way this uh, uh, American League playoff field stacks up. There's going to be a tough, tough sledding for the wild card spots. And uh, so Indians' only chance to win – make the playoffs this year is to win that division. So uh, right now at this point, you got to hope that the twins start to uh, fall back to earth a little bit because, you know, it's hard to say that a three game lead in, at the start of May is uh, impossible to overcome. I mean, it's a, you can't say that obviously, but uh, you they know, have a 45, 45 to 19 run, uh, run differential. They, they, they scored 45 and allowed 19 against Baltimore. So, before we say this division is not winnable, let's see what they do against non-Baltimore teams the rest of the way. But I definitely agree with you. Yeah, it's it's at. Well, we won't say that. The, I don't. I don't know if I'll go as far to say that the Twins are favorites right now, but it's definitely like even sledding now between the Twins and the Indians right now for the AL Central title. So uh, definitely not ideal, and uh, it's going to turn up the heat a little more on the front office and the ownership uh, as far as the ire of the fan base for sure. And, uh, boy, what happens if the Indians don't make the playoffs this year? I mean, uh, it, as I, I don't know if the if this, uh, if this the Dolans' uh, support for the Dolans will ever come back beyond that. I mean, I know that they were already on the nights to begin with, but, you know, we we watch what happened this off season. If the Indians don't make the playoffs this year, it's it's going to be very tough to fill that stadium again uh, for a non-opening day game at that from this point forward. As long as the Dolans own the team, yeah, I'm not sure I want to think about that. Yeah, it's it's not going to be great. All right, well, let's uh, move on to a little bit of a happier note here. Uh, Francisco Lindor and Carlos Santana made some history. Uh, during this past week, uh, Lindor mashes a hundredth career home run, hopefully the first of uh, many hundreds for uh, the All-Star shortstop. Uh, Carlos Santana, on the other hand, uh, launched his 200th career home run. And I think it was you, Justin, who pointed out on Twitter saying, like, uh, should we start talking about Carlos Santana as an Indians Hall of Famer? And... The more I thought about it, the more I think it's not really out of the question at this point. I don't see why he shouldn't be. I mean, I don't know. I got to look look and see who all time what the Indians' all time home run list is, but um, he's got to be in the top 
ten. I mean, Tomy hit like three hundred something here, I think. So he's he's got to be up there, and he's played all of his career here except for one year. And I don't know what'll happen after his contract expires after next year, but the Indians clearly like him. He's meant a lot here. He's you know when they traded him, he never sold his home. Um, I I feel like two hundred home runs with one. I mean, where did he hit? How many home runs did he hit last year? That's what I'm trying to pull up right now. So I'm pulling up the uh, baseball reference page uh, of all the Indians uh, stat leaders. He had 24 last year with with, uh, Philadelphia. So So he's still like like at 170-something in his career with the Indians, which isn't far off the pace. The number 10, to to crack the top 10, he'll have to break 190, which he should be able to do this year. Uh, Rocky Calavito is number 10 in franchise history with 190 homers. Jim Tomey leads the way at 337. So um, over the course of the season, you – Santana should pretty easily crack this top 10 in franchise home runs. So, I mean, all the names on this list from 10 to 1, Calvito, Al Rosen, Travis Hafner, Andre Thornton, Larry Doby, Hal Trotsky, Earl Averill, Manny Ramirez, Albert Bell, and Jim Tomey. I mean, just about every single name on that list is an iconic Indians player, and somebody, they aren't already, should be in the Indians Hall of Fame. Yeah, so I mean, if he's if he's close to those names, I don't see why he wouldn't be. And okay, you assume he's going to what hit twenty five this year at this point. Let's say he hits twenty four, twenty five next year, or even just twenty. That puts him right up there with, with a lot of the guys, like you said, in the bottom of the top ten. I don't see why he he wouldn't be, especially considering how much this franchise seems to like him and how much the fan, uh, how much he seems to like it here and. For some reason, the fan base has all of a sudden figured out, hey, Carlos Santana's pretty good. We should like him. Like, <laughs> it took him being in Philadelphia and trying to back here for the fan base to be like, oh, he actually is really good. Well, he's batting over, a, he's, he's batting over like, uh, 238 as well. I think, I, I know it's, I know it's, uh, an antiquated stat to, latch on to but a lot of people still like that and to see him batting as hitting as well as he has and probably because out of a sense of desperation there's nothing really to latch on to with this offense other than Carlos Santana at this point right yeah but I mean it just feels like they've they've got a better sense of appreciation not that Yonder Alonso's bad I just think that Carlos Santana just is as far and away better than Yonder Alonso I think a lot of people kind of realized that last year Maybe, maybe, yeah. I mean, uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder, as uh, the old adage says. So, um. which is exactly why the Indians should ask how much the Braves want for Josh Tomlin. <laughs> oh I'm my not goodness! Kidding. I, 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 I'm really not kidding. Oh my goodness! <laughs> oh, can, can you believe? I mean, not nothing against Josh Tomlin. I love the guy. He's one of my favorite uh, favorite modern Indians of all time. Uh, I I don't disagree with you at all. But who would have thought we would get to a point where we're longing for Josh Tomlin to be back in this rotation? He's in the bullpen. He's running a 24% strikeout rate with a, a swinging strike rate that isn't super far off from uh, making it seem legit. Just saying, that's a guy that the Indians would trust in the rotation every fifth day. I mean, he'd give them a better floor out of that spot than... Um, than Chi Wei Hu or Asher Wojciechowski or 
Adam Plutko even. I, I like Tomlin more than Plutko because, to me, Plutko is a guy that gives you, I think at best you're hoping for a quality start or maybe six innings and two runs or seven innings and three runs, which is still a quality start. I think his ceiling is a quality start where maybe it's not, maybe he's not this good anymore, but in the past, Tomlin, you could at least every five starts count on him going like seven innings and allowing a run. You know, he had those occasional gems where he just kept missing bats or got, you know, missing the barrel of the bat, giving up solo home runs. If he gets back to giving up solo home runs, unlike last year, he's only allowed one in 13 innings so far this year, and he's got 12 strikeouts and one walk. How about that? I just saw a clip of him, I think it was last night, I watched him uh, get out of a bases loaded jam with nobody out and uh, didn't allow a run. So uh, He did that twice this week. Monday night, he came in the seventh inning against um, bases loaded, nobody out, and didn't give up a run. And that included getting Manny Machado out. So maybe he figured something out. I'm sure the Braves don't want to let him go, to be honest, but they should call. <laughs> It's it's it really is something else, and where now we miss Josh Tomlin in the rotation, and you know what? I, not not to uh, say that in kind of a derogatory way, because Josh Tomlin, I think uh, to bring it back to where where you started with this, uh, I think we were realizing what he brought to this rotation. I mean, he didn't with everybody healthy, he didn't really have a spot in the rotation. Shane Bieber came up and essentially took his job, but uh, with injuries like that. Like the Indians have had, uh, you kind of see what you miss in Josh Tomlin now. Uh, he might not have been the best pitcher, but he was definitely reliable. And he get, went out there and gave you his best every time. And, you know, if the Indians had that right now, maybe him in a number four spot and Jeffrey Rodriguez in a number five spot, they might be in better standing right now versus, you know, going to two sort of unknown options at the back end of that rotation to try and see if they can uh, fill what has been left behind by Corey Kluber and Mike Clevenger, which is asking a lot of anybody. So anyway, we've kind of gone around the horn on this a few times. Uh, I want to end this show on a positive note because for those of you who listen to the show regularly, you will know that last week uh, a challenge was issued to me by one Mr. Justin Lotta, uh, with the Indians playing the Marlins and it being a hot topic to try to see if how many of Marlins, uh, current Marlins players I can name or really to test my knowledge to see if I knew, uh, who the Marlins, real Marlins players are on this roster right now. So I'm going to go ahead and turn the tables on, uh, Justin here tonight and see how he does. And, uh, See how he does in naming these current Marlins players. So I'm going to rattle off a list of names one at a time and see if Justin can uh, identify who's really a Miami Marlin and who isn't. Are you ready? I'm ready. And you know what? Even better, I was at the captain's game Tuesday, so I didn't get to see much of the game. I think I saw the ninth inning. And then um, yesterday I was at a comedy show, so I didn't see any of the game. Uh, including the line drive off Kluber's arm. So, all right, back to positive. All um, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I apologize if I repeated any of these from last week. That just goes to show you how much I know this Marlins roster. I don't even remember the names that we mentioned last week. So, uh, but I'm going to okay, go ahead and... I'll get them right. All right, well, let's see if we uh, 
see how you can do on this one. So, first name I have for you, Justin, is Al Fowler. Is he a Marlin or is he not? That can't be a Marlin, no. That is correct. He is not a Marlin. He is, in fact, the ace pitcher of the New York Knights in the natural. Okay. <laughs> so, baseball player, just not a real one. Yeah, that's a good That's a good, uh, good one to throw in there. All right. Uh, Austin Bryce, is he a Marlin or not? Yes. That is correct. He is a Marlin. I believe he's a pitcher, as a matter of fact. So on the 40 man and he's on the 10 day injured list. Uh, next name, Riley Farrell. Is he a Marlin or not? Oh, I think so. Is he a current Marlin is the question. I know it's, that's a baseball player, right? But he's definitely, he might not be a current Marlin. Actually, he is a current, current Marlin. He is on the 60 day IL. He's a pitcher for the Marlin. So, uh, yeah, I love these names because they're just generic enough to kind of throw you off. Yeah, and you can't uh, be sure if these guys like were Marlins at one time and they're not now because they can still be Marlins right now because the roster's so anonymous. Mm-hmm. All right, next name. I've got James Marshall. Is he a Marlin or not? I'm going to say no. You are right. He is not a Marlin. He is the name of Harrison Ford's character in Air Force One. Okay, I would not have gotten that one. I wouldn't have guessed. <laughs> I would not have guessed who he was. But I was. I was. T- was fifty percent chance he was not a baseball player. Dude, Air Force. I love that movie. Air Force One is so good. <laughs> um, uh, next name Monty Harrison. Yes, I know he's a Marlin. That was the guy. One of the guys they got in the uh, Yelich trade. Uh, okay. Yes, he is a Marlin. Uh, good job on there. Next name Tom Anderson. No, that's the former MySpace guy, right? Nope. Uh, well, maybe I don't know, but the name I the name I pulled is Tom Anderson, aka Thomas A. Anderson, aka Neo from the Matrix. Oh, okay. So not a Marlin either way. Mister Anderson. I thought Tom. I thought, I'm pretty sure Tom Anderson's the, the old MySpace guy. Probably. I mean, I wouldn't know for <laughs> sure, but that was where I pulled that name from. All right. I'm next. Old enough where I had a MySpace account. <laughs> Anyway, next name, Anthony Molina. Ooh, um, wow, I'm really stumped here. Most of them before I've been pretty, pretty, uh, almost sure on. I'm going to say no. Good guess. Wow, you are nailing these. That He is not a Marlin. He is, in fact, uh, the name of the owner of the Browns in draft day. Okay, I haven't seen that movie, so that's definitely one I wouldn't have known. <laughs> All right, last one for you. I got Trevor Richards. Oh, yeah, Trevor Richards is a Marlin, yeah. He's got a good changeup. Perfect. Man, you you went, uh, how many is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You went eight for eight on that. That's very wow. impressive. I did not think that was going to be the case. Okay. All right, that's the uh, Miami Marlins roster challenge. Boy, they should make some kind of card game or something like out of this, <laughs> like on True Pursuit or something. Yeah, I think uh, Derek Jeter needs some uh, something fun. That might be the most fun thing about the Marlins this year is you can play the Marlins roster game because <laughs> the rest of them not really fun. That would have been. Uh, you imagine like to, 
I don't know that they don't do this so much in the in the majors, but uh, having like the on-field promoters like they do in the minor leagues, bringing pulling people out from the audience and just pulling up names on the putting names on the scoreboard, <laughs> say, "Can you name this? Is this a real Marlins player or is it not?" <laughs> and the guy sitting right there in the dugout saying, "I'm right here." <laughs> yeah, I, I'm pretty sure a lot of the fans would be like, uh, "Although I think there are." That's hard. That's hard to do because I feel like. Even at the Indians game, there might be some fans that would miss some Indians players from this year too. Yeah, and depends on the, depends on the fan. I mean, there's there's plenty of people that go to like one game a year, or just go because the family's going and wouldn't know. So, but and the Marlins, I think you have a less a less of a shot to be like, oh yeah, for sure, that's a that's a baseball player. And by Marlins fans, you mean like all all nineteen of them? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. They're Okay, okay. The ones that are there actually probably would guess them because you know they're what the you got. They're actually going. You make a good point. Um, <laughs> I, there's probably a, a percentage of them you have to uh, take out of consideration because they're probably there to to uh, have fun and party. But probably the vast majority of them, you got to hand it to them. They probably are diehard fans. Hard fan. Yeah, I mean, I love baseball, but I really don't know how many game Marlins games I would go to like this year and. It'd be pretty tough. Like, I mean, I went to a lot of games when the Indians weren't good from, like, 2009 to 2012. But I was also in college and had more free time and didn't have bills to pay. So right now, if the Indians are bad, I'm not really sure if I would go to the same amount of games as I did then if, if they were the Marlins right now. All right. Well, that was fun. And, uh, now that the Indian season series against the Marlins is over, I'd... We don't have to subject our listeners to this anymore, but that was that was definitely fun and definitely harder than uh, than we made it seem at first. Yeah, I mean it was it was a good game. I'm glad we at least got to do those last two weeks, even though overall the tone of our podcast hasn't been great. Well, hopefully we're able to bring it up a little bit, at least temporarily, and until uh, we get the final word on Kluber's diagnosis. Uh, again, it doesn't look great, and the Indians, you know, playoff hopes are not dwindling, but they are not uh, as guaranteed as they were uh, at this time a couple of days, just a couple of days ago. So, all right, so uh, looking ahead to next week's matchups, you got the Mariners coming to town. Uh, you got guy uh, uh, Kikuchi, I think is how you pronounce his name. Kikuchi Ooh. for the uh, Mariners sure. going going against uh, Shane Bieber, and then on uh, Saturday you got Mike Leake against Carlos Carrasco. Uh, Sunday, Swanson against Bauer, and then on Monday the White Sox are coming to town. Uh, those pitching matchups are to be determined. Sure. Uh, probably going to see a lot of that for a little while but yeah the White Sox are in town for let's see it's like it's four games so um, Mariners and White Sox the Indians are continuing to play against I mean the Mariners are pretty good so far this year but you know we always see these teams that get off to good starts and kind of fade at the as the season goes on and then you got the White Sox who can be young and scrappy Tim Anderson is really leading this team right now, um, but, you know, overall, they should not be a, a really good team this year, and so uh, any thoughts on this these upcoming matchups for the Indians this, this week? 
Well, let's see. They didn't have – I don't know. They could probably hang with Seattle. I think their offense has cooled off to an extent, especially thanks to the Indians' last trip out there. Uh, the White Sox still aren't good. I don't even know what the record is. and I don't even know who's in the rotation. Like, I think – okay, Lucas Giolito's having a pretty good year, and I think uh, – or he's throwing 95 again, which is good. I don't know. The White Sox could be tough because you want to know what they've been pesky. They, they're just a annoying team, and – I think they have enough pitching where if the Indians offense keeps struggling the way they have, they're going to be frustrating. So it's probably going to be one of those weeks where they just win two, lose two. It's going to be team streak. Right. So uh, we'll certainly keep an eye on uh, all these developments and, of course, what's going to happen with the Indians and Corey Kluber and, you know, the latest Mike Clevenger updates. Hopefully he's going to be back sooner than later. I mean, we're still looking at potentially, I think the latest estimate was still like June at, at the earliest, okay. but, uh, I don't know. We'll see, uh, we'll see how that shapes up. And, uh, we're all waiting very anxiously about, uh, Corey Kluber's diagnosis. And we be sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jake D baseball, just as that JL underscore baseball. You can get the, uh, our latest thoughts and takes on everything going on with the Indians, including Kluber's injury. I'm sure we'll have some thoughts on that as soon as that news breaks. And uh, be sure to follow the site account at official underscore IBI for all the breaking news and stories. Uh, I'm sure uh, there's going to be a doctor's take up there soon, if there isn't one already, about Corey Kluber's uh, diagnosis from our resident injury analyst, uh, Brandon Bowers. And uh, you can find all the links to breaking news stories and everything else there as well. And then also, be, don't forget to follow the site, uh, the podcast account at Smoke Signals IBI. You can get the links to this show as well as the Farm Report podcast. Corey and I did uh, a deep dive on uh, some of the other bullpen options uh, in in the Indian system right now beyond guys like James Karinchak and uh, Nick Sandlin. We talked about Bobby Bradley starting off the season well and uh, lots of other stuff on that on the prospect front, so be sure to check that out as well. A lot more of a happier tone on the Farm Report podcast every week, so check that out. Uh, Justin, do you have anything you want to plug before we close up shop? Uh, let's see. Um, it's it's night or tomorrow or Saturday. I definitely will have a finalized um Diamonds in the rough list. It's been kind of tough piecing that together because we, I feel like we went so deep this year on um, the cutting room floor that there aren't a whole lot of guys that we didn't get to on uh, to go to diamonds in the rough this year. But we're still going to do it, so I'll have that list uh, by the end of the weekend. So hopefully next Saturday that will start being back in the rotation, and then of course Monday I will have uh, three up, three down. Right, and then uh, I have the four thoughts column this week, uh, I, which has taken a little more of a somber tone because of the Kluber injury, but I do take a look at a guy who's been uh, pitching pretty well to start the year, and while he may not make it up to Cleveland this year, he's getting close. Um, I'm not going to say who at this point. You'll just have to check out the uh, check out this uh, my column tomorrow or. Rather, today, as you're listening to this, it'll be posting shortly after this podcast posts later in the day. So um, be sure to check that out for that and all the other uh, latest prospect storylines where I give my thoughts and analysis on what's going on in the farm system each week. 
and uh, I'm sure I'll be hopping on some of those diamonds in the rough as well, so be sure to uh, keep an eye out for that as as well. Um, as a closing thought, we could throw in that Brady Aiken is uh, training at driveline now. That's right, yeah, I saw that <laughs> on uh, Baseball Reference had uh, tweeted that out saying that Aiken was, you know, he, would, he had been pitching very poorly in Lake County once again, and now maybe he's trying to see turn to some a new source to try to see if he can pinpoint the problem with his uh, mechanical issues that are leading to his command struggle. So good on we'll him trying to you guys can talk about him the farm report on Monday. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, we'll uh, certainly keep that in mind and so that'll be my last plug. Uh check out the farm report on uh Tuesdays to uh see what the latest uh chatter is on the Indians farm system. Corey and I like to go deep into uh, this prospect analysis and as we both uh, follow the farm system pretty closely and uh, we hope to give you uh, the best uh, top-notch analysis of the Indians farm system you'll find uh, anywhere else, um, at least to the best of our knowledge. So be sure to subscribe and check that out and subscribe to this show and spread the word. We definitely rely on our listeners to uh, get the word out, expand our listenership, so we really appreciate that. Um, great show tonight, Justin, even though we didn't have a lot of positivity to radiate from this, but, uh, even still great analysis and, uh, hopefully we have some better news to talk about next week. Uh, any, uh, parting words? No, no, I think, I I think I've actually said everything for once. I don't think there's any parting words. Let's just hope that Uber heals fast and, uh, oh, this is a family-friendly show, but let's hope that Kluber's arm is as good as Funky Butt Loving, if you get that reference. That's my party word. <laughs> Boy, you have to be a serious baseball movie fan to get that reference. <laughs> yes, this is a family podcast, but that's a ba- it's a baseball reference. Just in case anybody doesn't know that. But let's, let's hope Kluber's arm is that good when he comes back. All right. Uh, we'll, on that positive note, we will uh, leave you folks this evening. Uh, thanks for listening. Until next time, for Justin Lada and the Smoke Signals Podcast, I'm Jake Dungan, and we say to you, have a good one. For questions and comments, you can email us at smokesignals at indiansbaseballinsider.com. Also be sure to follow us on Twitter at SmokeSignalsIBI, where you can find links to all our shows, as well as poll questions and other cool podcast stuff. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.